chapter three of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. natalie page by katherine haviland taylor chapter three mrs crane's story as i said before almost all i remember about going away is the leaves bags dust and peanut shells which whirled in the wind around the station platform a great many people came down to see me off which was dear of them considering that my conduct has not always been exemplary and they all kissed me and said that they hoped new york would be pleasant and that i wouldn't be lonesome and a few of them women said that they hoped it would tame me down which i did not entirely enjoy even the minister came down and he put me out of the choir last year because i let mice loose in the middle of miss hooker's solo which she finished from the top of the organ in a squawk willie jepson dared me to and it was especially nice of the minister to come down i thought uncle frank coughed a lot and blamed it on the dust but i think he was feeling badly because i was going away oh hum he said dust pretty bad pretty bad i have here and then he pulled out a little box in which he'd mounted a little beetle which stays in the ground three years and then comes out and acquires lovely shiny wings and flies besides making a real song with its hind legs he said he hoped i would understand the implied lesson and he meant that i was to dig hard at knowledge for three years not that i was to attempt noises with my hind legs he said when things looked hard i was to look at that little insect who so patiently waited for wings and worked so hard to get them and to be ready to float and make attractive tunes and i said i would keep it on my bureau next to the china cat with a hollow back for matches that bradley dear gave me and then there was a great deal of kissing uncle frank ho-hum some and coughed bradley dear frankly wept willie jepson reminding me that i could lean on him if i had to leaves swirled madly as the train pulled in and made a real breeze around the station and i started i carried five bouquets which had been presented an umbrella a suitcase and a shirt-waist box which held all those things which the trunk wouldn't hold beside a basket of miss hooker's sheep nose apples i've often eaten them but she never gave me any before i was ever so grateful her orchard is walled and guarded by a dog and getting her apples is really difficult we used to do it by dropping a packing-box over the dog and then adding bricks to be sure that he'd stay but that is another story the gift of those apples really touched me but they didn't taste as good i can understand how self-made men feel about their fortunes it is perfectly natural to enjoy something that you steal under adverse circumstances it sort of makes you feel clever which feeling every one enjoys but to get on i was to go to dr crane's for the night his wife was a great friend of my mother's and has always written me more or less regularly besides sending me things at christmas time and although it is hard for me to meet strangers i really looked forward to going there and it was lovely i arrived in baltimore at eight that night and i was never so frightened in the first place i had never been in a large city before and the crowd was dense and then i'm used to being near people i know and i hadn't spoken a word to any one beside the conductor all day i began to feel terribly lonely so after i had got to the waiting-room with the help of a porter i stood and waited feeling intensely miserable and when i heard miss natalie page 
in a nice man's voice i said thank you ever so much god inside for i was beginning to wonder what i should do if i wasn't met i didn't feel as if i could go out and take a taxi as i'd been told to for i was sure i wouldn't know a taxi from any other kind of a car although miss hooker said they had flags on them well it was dr crane and he has a real smile yes he went on it is miss natalie page and some baggage and we both laughed then he got a porter had my things put in his small car and we started i think mrs crane has a little supper waiting he said very cheerfully i'm sure he somehow knew that i felt timid and a little alone for i heard her ordering patty cases and french pastries this morning i don't suppose you like them i said i was sure i would then he asked about uncle and my trip and whether i'd ever been in a city before and i answered him trying ever so hard not to be frightened by the great crowds that ran right in front of cars at the crossings i was quite sure we could kill someone but we didn't nervous asked dr crane as we turned up into a quieter street which went past the walters art gallery dr crane told me what it was i said i wasn't exactly but that i expected to see someone killed in the mob through which we had threaded he laughed and replied that he didn't have to do it with a ford because he was a doctor and then we rode quite a distance although it didn't seem so for i was interested and at last we stopped before a lovely old white house a little girl of about thirteen stood on the doorstep and as we neared i heard her call mother she's come they're here mother and then she stopped yelling into the house and ran down to open the door of the car for me i am mary eleanor crane she said shyly but she smiled so genuinely that i liked her right away yes said the doctor the only girl we have left and if she marries there'll be a massacre around here and then mrs crane came to the door and i forgot mary eleanor and the doctor she kissed me and said why my dear little girl and i felt as if i had always known her just like your mother she went on just like nelly randolph the prettiest girl in the green spring valley and i saw that her eyes were too bright and swimming and then she changed the subject abruptly and said come in dear you must be tired ted have lucky take those bags up to the blue room lucky was the darkest little coon i ever saw and she went on mary eleanor you take miss natalie upstairs and see that she has clean towels and has a nice chance to brush up and then come down to supper come on said mary eleanor as she slipped her arm through mine and we went up some splendid broad winding stairs which led to a great upstairs hall it was the loveliest house i'd ever seen i could only gasp there were dark old pictures in beautifully wide gently mellowed gilt frames and funny old-fashioned pieces of furniture standing here and there i particularly noticed one and mary eleanor told me it was a frame on which people of our great-great-grandmother's time did embroidery and on the floor were rag rugs in the prettiest colors they belonged with the old mahogany i don't know about periods or anything like that but i could feel that they fitted as we went along mary eleanor talked ever so fast she said that they had always been poor since people almost never paid the doctor unless they were awfully sick and wanted him to come again and most always they were only really sick once but she said that they had an aunt who gave them a lot of money and that now they were comfortable and had ice cream as often as three times a week and two cars one of which her mother ran and she has two sisters and a brother who was visiting then and was going to college and that little girl is the aunt of two children a boy and a girl she said her sister barbara almost named her baby after her but it happened to be a boy and of course a name like mary eleanor was out of the question she told me quite a lot as i washed up and said she wished i would stay as she missed her sisters and brothers and would like to have me around 
i thought it was dear of her and then as i was ready and awfully hungry we went downstairs and there i began to understand that it was not all history geography french english and mathematics that i was to learn in new york i began to see what i never had seen or could see in our little village that is the prettier way of living for even miss hooker's table never looked like mrs crane's and miss hooker went to the world's fair studied singing in washington in eighteen ninety five and has been as far west as chicago it was lovely i did wish that uncle frank and bradley dear could see it there was a lunch set on it and the way the table gleamed between the lace edges was beautiful there were candles with pink shades and in a high glass basket late autumn roses then there were tiny baskets of nuts and candies i could only look i said i think that is beautiful mrs crane and she said dear child which wasn't exactly an answer but which satisfied me then we ate and the things were very good i did enjoy myself they laughed and talked a lot and we had such a good time mrs crane and mr crane seemed to talk by looking too which is queer and yet i suppose if you've been in the same house with a person for a great many years and loved them lots you would understand every little flicker that makes a change in expression just as i understand what sort of a fly fish will want from a look at the light and the depth of the water and the sort of wings the insects have that hover above sometimes i think that everything in the world is observation that that is the only education and that education perhaps after all only tries to make you do that i was deeply impressed by the french pastries of course i had never had them before because almost every one in queensburg does their own baking and there isn't any bakery nearer than parsons and that deals in nothing more involved than macaroons i asked mrs crane whether she thought that i could get them in new york and she said i could i was ever so glad for i think that if you are very homesick you can be diverted as well by cheerful things to go inside as by cheerful surroundings i told them so mary eleanor agreed with me eating she said is underrated it has a great deal to do with the set of your spirits mother i would love having another pastry the brown one was a complete disappointment and i only ate it to save it and when i grow up and am a doctor i am going to advocate complete freedom in gratifying appetite better advocate complete freedom in engulfing soda mints advised dr crane most people need em even while eating with care mary eleanor didn't answer she was too much occupied with the pink pastry when she did speak she announced something which excited me natalie she said mother's going to give you a present to-night something that is really yours and ever so valuable because of historic association and i'm so anxious to see you get it for it is really yours your moth but her mother interrupted with that'll do chicky and she didn't finish and then an old coloured woman came in with little cups of coffee for dr and mrs crane and chocolate with whipped cream on top for mary eleanor and me we walked a little longer went in a yellow room and played the victrola and then i said good-night and mary eleanor and i went up after i had got undressed and was in bed mrs crane tapped on my door dearie she said may i come in i sat up and said oh please do just as mary eleanor from way down the corridor screamed a request to come over too mrs crane asked if she might and i said i'd love having her so she did when she came along mrs crane said get in with natalie if she doesn't mind daddy hasn't any time to fuss with coals now and this is a long story and then as mary eleanor got under the covers mrs crane opened a square box which was covered in yellow satin a satin which had once been white and held it so i could see a beautiful bracelet inside this my dear she said was your mother's and her father gave it to me a short time after she died isn't it lovely she held out the box and very carefully i picked it up it was a wonderful thing of soft dull gold and the sort that they wore at that time 
broad and firm looking i had a queer feeling to think that it had been around my mother's arm and i ran my fingers around the inside of it then mrs crane leaned over and clasped it on my arm and kissed me and i was awfully afraid i was going to cry but i didn't i find if you swallow two or three times very hard when tears are near that you can divert them well said mrs crane as she sat down on a little rocking chair that stood near the bed that has a history a great history it belonged to madame jumel she married aaron burr you know when she was an old woman and he was seventy-eight nice rosy age for romance wasn't it i was glad to have something at which to laugh yes she went on that was her bracelet it happened that one of your great-great-grandmothers sailed for bordeaux on the same ship in which madame jumel took passage madame jumel was then travelling under the name of the widow of the vice-president of the united states although she divorced aaron burr after they had been married for less than a year and a very grand lady indeed she thought herself to be she had letters to write to french nobility letters which she wished to send from bordeaux announcing her arrival but her french was faulty and she found the task of writing them extreme and the result far from her personal satisfaction so your great-great-grandmother being a person of education and the nicest sort of french helped her one noon madame jumel waited for her at the entrance to the dining saloon and as your relative approached said pardon madame but i heard you conversing in the most elegant and genteel french i could not help but overhear it and i wondered whether you would be so good as to offer me your assistance my letters to royalty and history says she waved a hand most airily are things that must be just so as you can understand i am proud that crowned heads bow to me but laws my dear it is a pest and the long and the short of it is that she was helped and by your great-great-grandmother natalie after the letters had been corrected and little niceties were added madame jumel expressed deep gratitude thank you a million times dear friend she said in very quaintly broken french and then taking this bracelet from her arm added no doubt one day when i am dead but not forgotten the bracelet which i retain the companion to this will be displayed they will say it belonged to the widow of burr my dear he was a wretch but this one which i give you and you must accept i will have no nose your descendants will display as having belonged to your friend a friend who was helped by a friend let me clasp it please ah there we are and well it looks upon your arm although it has not the round fairness of mine and that is the story i looked down at the bracelet did my mother wear it i asked mrs crane's face changed curiously and then she said she had but not often but she did i questioned further really did yes dear she responded there's a picture in the jumel mansion she went on after a few moments which you will doubtless see it shows madame jumel wearing the companion to this bracelet the painting was done at rome the last time she went abroad which was the time your great-great-grandmamma met her in it she is sitting between her niece and nephew the nephew who afterward angered at her threw an inkwell at his aunt's face in the painting missed it and left a scar above his own head wasn't that frightful i said i was thinking of the aim more than the motive he must have been a rotten pitch but mrs crane thought i meant his anger was wrong it was she said and yet old madame jumel was a queer piece she adopted children who bought one by one all left her she was a lonely old woman and one pities her but natalie the world gives back what she put in it and usually when people are lonely they have been cruel i suppose so i said what was the matter with him didn't he ever play ball mrs crane didn't know but went on with you'll be interested in the jumel mansion because of your bracelet and in madame jumel her husband aaron burr killed alexander hamilton in a duel and alexander hamilton's son who was alexander hamilton jr was her lawyer even during the time when she was mrs burr wasn't that strange there are lots of queer things about her and more about her influence 
again mrs crane's face changed i wondered what made it and she looked at the bracelet then after a little more talk she kissed me and ordered mary eleanor off and put out the light when i was alone i put the bracelet under my pillow and kept my hand on it i loved feeling it it was nice to think that my mother had worn it if only for a few times i lay awake thinking of it for a long time and i am sure it must have been away past eleven when i last slept before i did i thought of uncle frank and mrs bradley i wasn't worried about uncle frank for he always has bugs but i did hope that bradley dear wasn't crying when i thought she might be i was miserable again and that i found the bracelet to be a comfort i put my hand on the inside of it for mrs crane did say my mother wore it sometimes and it seems queer but it helped lots lots End of chapter three